What's up, Conroe? Welcome to a brand new edition of Nerd Thug Radio, right here on 104.5, 106.1, the sister stations, streaming worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. As always, you can check out the Facebook.com backslash Nerd Thug Radio. That's where the magic happens. That's the mothership right there. Check it out. Um, yeah, this is Corey DLG with me as usual, his little brother, Nico. Hey, guys. I'm, I'm just going well. My spring, spring break has finally come to an end, and I have to return to reality. That's rough, man. Snap back to reality, like, except I don't want to be here right now. <laughs> <laughs> the, col- the college schedule, though, is a lot kinder than the public school schedule. Honestly, I don't know how I did it for so long. It was awful. Being like, a once... child is truly a prison. <laughs> once you move, like I really realized this when I was in college. Like once you move over to college, the schedule becomes pretty forgiving. Like a semester basically goes from middle September to the first week of December, and then you're basically done. Yeah, um, and then yeah, like second final, semester. Yeah, like finals week is like the first week of May. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. So then the the other one is the third week of January through like the first week of May. And so you get spring break, all of a sudden you basically have six weeks left to like sprint through and then you're done. Yeah. It's it's the halfway point, basically. Is it only is is it re- is college really only twelve weeks a semester? It's yeah, I think so. Yeah, I guess it would be because like two weeks of January ish, uh, all of February. Yeah. First week Feb- of March, then you do spring break. Then you yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I guess it's about Maybe thirteen weeks, fourteen weeks tops. I think I think, I think it's like I think a regular I think a regular scheduled class is sixteen weeks, and then like there's accelerator, which are like fourteen or twelve. I don't even think sixteen. Honestly, January, February, March, April, May. Really, you're only there for the twelve weeks of February, March, April. Thirteen, four, maybe. Yeah, I guess sixteen if you include like finals and everything. Yeah, like including finals and introductory week because you don't do anything your first week and you don't do anything your last week except take yeah. tests. I guess so, yeah, that's probably 16 weeks, but then you get the week off for spring break. And all that. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty forgiving schedule once you make it to college. Yeah, and like usually like outside of like incredibly diff- like hard majors, like engineering and stuff where it's like, oh, I spent 35 minutes on a homework question. I got it wrong. Oh, that's those are the worst. I Those like the worst. Like I always, I always see engineering beams, and it's like that's a good thing I didn't like decide to do that because that's awful. Because literally, it's like one guy, and he's like, he's like, all right, let's see what we're up to, and he does like three pages of like calculations, and he like types in his answer, and he's like wrong, and he just walks out the room. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a buddy when my freshman year I was at the dorms in Ed, Alabama. There was a guy there. He was a little bit older than everyone else, like 26 when everyone else is like 20. He started college late, um, but he was out of state. He was still doing the dorm thing. And he was like – the other the, – the weirdest part about the whole thing for him was that he was um, – he was basically on his last chance to be able to get his degree. Mm-hmm. Um, it was – whatever the class was, you can only fail the same class three times on a degree plan before you're just – SOL, it's not gonna, it's not gonna happen, right? Um, and so he'd already failed it twice, and he had the same teacher as he had last time. And in my head, I was like, "Why would you do that? Like, that's the bigger mistake to me." But he was on his third and final chance, and it was some kind of engineering class. I don't remember which one. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, "What? That's too much pressure." Yeah, it's terrifying. Like it, like with like the Lone Star system that we have here, it's like you can fail a class I think five times. <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, I'm already laughing. <laughs> How do you fail something five times? That's what I said. And then uh, I felt immediately bad because they're like, I took this class three times. I'm like, yeah, but not five. <laughs> <laughs> what if, what if you failed three times, Nico? No, not me. It was I was oh. talking to someone. 
Oh, and they immediately and I, said throw. Oh, yeah, and then I, <laughs> and then I immediately felt bad because I felt like I just called them stupid to their face. I'm not calling anyone stupid. I'm laughing at the ridiculousness of what you're doing. You clearly are doing something wrong at that point. Though. Anyways, so that's not even the best part. Is that so? After you fail a class five times, they just charge you more to take it. Oh, you know what? I do remember hearing this. Um, they explain this to you when you go to drop a class because I would drop a cl- uh, classes occasionally, um, which I guess does count as a fail. So there are some classes that I took twice. It was like the first time I. I for one of them, I never went. Like the second, that class was like the very first class. It was like Monday mornings, nine a.m. I never, I never showed up one time for that class. So come drop day, I was like, okay, well, I have to drop that because I've, I've never even showed up. So. I haven't even been there once, so I, that's that's not happening. You got to make sure we take care of that. Uh, so I dropped it, and when I was in there dropping it, the counselor was like, okay, well. After, I think she might have said three or maybe it was five, but anyway, after X amount of times dropping or failing, they know you no longer qualify for the state aid is what it is. Yeah. So, okay. That's, that's, that's a different rule. That's the drop rule. So Texas has a six drop rule. So you can drop six courses. And just... Oh, there didn't used to be a limit on how many I could drop. There used to be a limit on how many times I could drop the same class. Oh, so back no. Then, ours, ours, is, ours the same is... class more yeah. than three times i would have to pay full price for the class ah i see yeah see this one is just you drop any class but that's why it's like honestly sometimes it's just better to just eat the eat the f because you can replace great yeah well that it's like you can only have so many while you're in college so like are you really gonna waste a drop on something stupid see they you must just paid. They must have changed that because that was college never cared before because you know they would get most of your money. Like I didn't get anything back when I would drop. It wasn't like they owed me money after that. So right, yeah, but I I, I think it I think it's financial aid based. I don't like, I really uh, don't think it matters to me. Yeah, I would say not. That's interesting though. Um, that's, I mean, that's, makes... probably, that's probably a good rule. Although the five fails is stupid. I. I say that I I did speak to somebody actually literally this weekend who this was their second time taking the like first the entry level math course. They have dyslexia though. So like I'm not, you know Yeah, you're not ragging on it. They have a learning disability. They have a learning disability. So it's slightly different. And to me, if they have a learning disability and they failed the class twice, to me that's an indictment on like the program that's set up for them. Like surely help this chick out. Like she's obviously struggling at this point right yeah and like i feel like i feel like college programs are either like super like super helpful or the worst things ever yeah it's definitely one or the other they're either invested in getting their students through it or they couldn't care less this is the side gig right yeah this is this is some some teachers third part-time job (laughs) on campus uh they show up to twice a week uh, man, you know, one of my stuff best like teachers, that. One of my best teachers though was an adjunct uh, government teacher. Like this was probably his third, you know, different class on a third different campus type deal. But he he really liked government, and so he couldn't help himself but get involved in like in how he was teaching it and all that. Plus, it was an election year. Oh, he was crazy, man. He was, but it was great. Um, but he was an adjunct, and I I never forgot that that like. He was super into it. Well, yeah. Well, I think that's like actually kind of sweet because it's like, oh, look, he's so excited he had to teach more people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, he probably. I mean, listen, that's that's a nice way to put. It. He probably needed the money. Um, <laughs> yeah, but at least but he's he was, excited about it. Exactly. It's not like it's not, yeah, it's not like he needed the money. He just walks into class drunk and like <laughs> plays a video of himself that he recorded at another campus. That would be so great. Oh my god. Are you kidding? I would get like nine adjunct jobs and just play the web video of me teaching the class at my regular job. You could probably do that like online. Like this was probably like COVID was like the year to do that. You could have like 12 adjunct jobs. All you're doing is grading more. And if it's all multiple choice set up online, forget about it. Yeah. I have a class where I have to like submit a document that has all my grades on it. It's like, this is literally all online. Why am I doing this? 
because they needed one more document submitted to fill the curriculum. Right. Yeah. I turned it in. I got a hundred on the assignment and then got feedback says you, Hey, you did it wrong. And I was like, well then why are you even <laughs> having me do it? <laughs> well done. Well done. First of all, follow directions, Nico. Secondly, I, I, there's, there's nothing I can do. I don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> Secondly, good job, I guess. I, yeah, I, I, I got I got an A on the assignment, but I got it wrong apparently. But the feedback was you screwed this up. <laughs> First of all, I don't need your feedback. I got an A, lady. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. This is the <laughs> dumbest thing I've ever done in my entire life. I was like, this is the most busy work I've ever seen ever. <laughs> I'm literally inputting grades in an Excel sheet, even though it's online. That's fantastic. I love it. It's like, I can just look at it, and then I'm fine. <laughs> like, it's done for you. Yeah, come on. It can't like, be it's fun. different if it's like, oh, you know, I added some bonus points so your grades are slightly different. And if you want to keep track of it, you have to. But not for a grade. Right. Forget that. That's stupid. <laughs> I hate it. Anyways. <laughs> okay, so this was a big week for pop culture. Yeah. Huge the, the skies, the skies parted and in in <laughs> dropped the impossible film. So this week the Snyder Cut of Justice League was released on HBO Max. I've now watched it twice just to kind of really wrap my head around it. Twice. Man, you had eight hours to give your life to Zack Snyder. Uh true story, I fell asleep the first time. <laughs> I slept through a solid two and a half hours in the middle of it the first time. Hard nap I mean, right in the middle. So I had to I mean, rewatch it just It's to get four the- hours. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was time. Before we get into it. And then also Disney Plus released Falcon Winter Soldier. And this week, this week, because it's Monday, okay? This week sees the debut uh, on Amazon Prime of the Invincible cartoon. Oh, I didn't know that was happening yes. this week. Whoa. So we are right in the middle. Uh, listen, when we told you this was going to be a big year for pop culture and therefore it's going to be a big year for Nerd Thug Radio, that was not an exaggeration. And this is right in the middle of all of that. Wild. Um. So with that being said, let's kind of talk about the Snyder Cut here. Um. I don't know how much I'm going to be careful about like, okay. You're either going to watch it now or you're not going to watch it. All right, let me start with this. I don't think fundamentally there was anything drastically different between this movie and the Justice League that Joss Whedon uh, directed and they released nationally. So I don't feel like there's any kind of spoilers. Um, okay. I think the one there's one big difference. Uh, we live in a society. No, actually, that didn't make the movie. It's in the trailer. It didn't make the movie. Uh, and I have a comment on that because I think that I think I know why it didn't. Um, okay, so in this in the Snyder cut, they do play with the fact that the Flash can run faster than time. So time travel, Flash. So in both instances where they need the big energy surge from Flash, one made the Whedon cut, one didn't. The one that made the Whedon cut is the one where he charges the mother box so they can bring Superman back to life. Okay? Mm. Um, Instead of just saying, I can run really fast and generate an energy, he explains, he tries to explain a little bit like, when I'm in the speed force, it like, he basically kind of hints that he time travels, but he doesn't say it then yet. Um, And then later in the movie, um, the mother boxes unite. They fail for a second, and the whole world goes to scorch. But Flash, like, protects himself with the Speed Force, and then runs back in time and undoes it. As it like, it's like a brief, it's like a forty-second bit. Um, right. That's the biggest real difference between them. Also, they incorporate the Martian Manhunter slightly. Like, it's not just a cameo at the very end with him. They do include him in a in a weird, unnecessary scene between Martha Kent and Lois Lane. Okay, 
but it's completely unnecessary that that was Martian Manhunter. Like, it didn't even make sense that it was Martian Manhunter. Right. Um. There's no real difference between the two movies, though. Everyone saw. Everyone talks about like, oh, Josh Whedon was so lighthearted; it was so funny. First of all, it wasn't like the world was going to end. It was still like they lose all the fights. The world's still going to end. They're still getting their butts kicked. Um, there, there are a few more jokes in it. It's but, a little bit more comical, but, but I mean, in this in the Snyder cut, the Flash is one hundred percent comedic relief. He doesn't stop making jokes and little quirky comments the whole movie. So it's because his brain is so fast. Well, but it's it's done for comedic effect. He's very yeah. clearly. The Flash has always been kind of a funny guy, anyways. I don't know that he has. I don't really. Uh, I feel like every every like major like I feel like in like a limited and like even oh probably yeah, yeah, yeah no no for sure on the cartoons you're right I was really thinking more of the comic books which allegedly this was supposed to be true or two but it's really not. Zack Snyder um, doesn't care about comic books, you know that. Yeah, he really doesn't. Um, ultimately, it's a four-hour movie. It's a five-part show. It's a. It's essentially what the Justice League was if someone said, okay, you can double the runtime. Like, the thing that I guess is supposed to make this epic and great and, and ultimate and super cool is, a, is because it's longer, there's more character details. There's more character moments. There's more character building, which is great, and that's awesome. Um, and he does do a good job with all of that. I'm not taking that away from him. But... Um, if you remember when Batman vs. Superman came out, when I watched the director's cut that was on the, the DVD, remember I like to buy the DVD Blu-ray stuff, the combos? Yeah. And that one came with a director's cut version on a separate DVD in the combo pack. When I watched that version of the movie, that version of the movie is a good version of the movie. It's a better version than what was released. But the problem is what was released was already three hours, and the other version is three and a half hours. Um, with the three and a half hours, he gets to make a complete movie. Zack Snyder's problem is he thinks he's smarter than Hollywood and can't make a movie with an acceptable runtime. Yeah. Um, this is one of my major complaints. And like, I say this all the time. It's four hours. Nothing needs to be four hours. No. End game, which is three and a half hours, which is very long. And that's is literally up, what, like twelve years the of finale movies? of ten plus years of movies with an entire ethos and universe and characters, twenty some odd cast members, like major cast members. Right. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you. I completely agree with that. That there was no need for this for this movie, especially if it's chapter three of a five part trilogy. That's not what that's called, by the way. He said that in an interview, and people are, keep quoting it because it's funny that he's stupid. Um, part trilogy. That's not what trilogy means. Yeah. He, this is part three of a five-part trilogy. Um, but another thing, too, that really kind of bothered me a little bit. So there's this apocalyptic futuristic scene where the Joker is in it. Uh-huh. Well, first of all, the Joker, by all indications, including even Zack Snyder himself, the Joker was never in his version of the Justice League. So this isn't already. This isn't a actual Snyder cut. This is like a Snyder rewrite Snyder cut. Um, right, because he. It's not like it's not like they're just filming the parts that they had already done with his version. Like clearly, they added more. Right, and to me, and this is what I wanted to get to earlier. I think this is about him reacting to everyone's criticisms of the movie, and now he gets a chance to fill in some of those criticisms and I think that's why he made the movie I think that's why he made the movie the way he made it and I also think it's why he cuts the line we live in a society so that started out as a mean joke on reddit and they they made a petition to get it into the Joaquin Phoenix Joker the movie and it didn't make it so originally Snyder put it into this one and then he wound up taking it out after the preview, yeah, end, because everyone it, laughed at him because it was cringe. It was stupid. It was so stupid. Um, but that scene, first of all, it just leaves you wanting more. Um, it's kind of a cool scene though. Like I actually, 
thought that was an, an interesting concept. It's it's at the end of the movie, um, after everything happens. If you remember in Batman vs Superman, the Flash showed up at one point, trying to warn Bruce Wayne that it's the girl, and and he might be saying the name Lois Lane, maybe, but it's hard to tell. Uh. Um, but it's about the girl, is what he tells her. Well, then. Superman uh, dies, obviously, in Batman vs. Superman. When, but now that they've brought him back, the threat is still looming that something could happen um, that turns Superman evil. And so essentially Bruce Wayne is having the visions still of this apocalyptic future because now Superman is back. Um, I think that's kind of a neat idea. That part I like. The quote-unquote Batman's League that he's running with in this post-apocalyptic future is also kind of cool. It's him, Joe Manganiello's Deathstroke, um, Jared Leto's Joker, the cyborg still, uh, and then Mira, the Aqua Woman, and then the Flash. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Aqua Woman, what's kind of neat, she's walking around carrying around I guess it's Aquaman's trident, and then also these two jugs of water. And it's just kind of a neat thing because it kind of makes sense. First of all, because she does water magic, but then also the idea that she's an Atlantean and they're out in this like post apocalyptic desert. Like, totally makes sense that she would be carrying around just like jugs of water everywhere she went. Yeah. Um, but this is when they get into the argument between Joker and Batman. And they, this scene, what's interesting about it is this scene was filmed without anybody ever being in the same place. None of those actors ever were in the same room, even. Kind of crazy. Movie magic. Radio A little bit. About it. And then they had Jared Leto basically ad-lib four different possible arguments, and then they had Ben Affleck get in and like have the arguments with him. That's weird. We- weird flicks, but okay. Yeah, it was definitely an odd thing. Um, also, uh, does this movie even really matter? Like, this universe is dead, essentially, right? That was, that's something else I'm having a hard time with. So, Amber Heard apparently has just been fired from Aquaman 2. Um, and allegedly they're supposedly making a Flash, and now the cyborg has just been written out of it. Um, if this, this version doesn't, this version specifically doesn't matter. Because it sort of it does too much with those characters. First of all, if, if Flash can time travel, then his own movie can be anything, right? Right. Like, also, kind of... like the time travel, I have a problem with him using time travel kind of lenient there at the end, where he like resets the twenty seconds or whatever with the mother box explosions. Because like it's a big deal when Flash time travels. Right. Right. It's not um, something that he's like, oh, I, you know, I have small temporal manipulations. Like, anytime he time travels, it's like years and, like, completely warps the universe around him. Right. Uh, but here in this movie, he does it twice, apparently. Yeah. And he does do it both times. So when the mother box, when they're using the mother box to revive Superman, the mother box actually dips into the water and then Flash reverses time by, like, three seconds to pull it out of the water so that it can touch it at the right time. Right, which isn't how his time travel works in the first place. Right. So both he times can't just like run this. back three seconds. And he would run into himself. <laughs> Don't you tell him how time travel works. He's a time traveler. Are you? I mean, no, but I mean... Oh, like, well then you're no expert. I hate, I hate that argument. It's the stupidest <laughs> argument ever. It's the worst thing about Transformers things when they like transform into like random Cybertrodian things and it's just like a, a brick with like a gun on it. And it's like, well, how do you know that it's that's not what it's supposed to look like? You ever been to Cybertron, mate? It's like, no, I guess not. Yeah, you're right. I don't know about Cybertron. That's fair. This um... does look like a brick with a gun on it. <laughs> <laughs> There's just a lot of like I don't know. A lot of pomp and circumstance. But really, I don't think that this... It's not really fair to say that this movie is better than like than Joss Whedon's because he has an extra hour and 40 minutes. Like, Yeah, like anything is good if you add a ton more character development in it. 
and, and to be fair, this has been Zack Snyder's problem the whole time. I think one of his very first movies is the Dawn of the Dead remake, uh, which I like. It's it's the one with the fast zombies. But the director's cut is about 15 minutes longer, and it's better because it's all character stuff. The 15 yeah. minutes makes you care a little bit more about all of the characters. You spend more time with him, and all of a sudden you care a little bit more. Wow, weird. Right. And then, like, it's just kind of... Yeah, can, can we can we talk about how Joss Whedon had to do this basically on a whim, by accident? Yeah, like, on the fly. In, like, six months. It didn't didn't get to write his own script. Had to come in and basically use the script that was there. Had to make changes on the fly. And had to reshoot 70% or 80%, whatever it is, to be his movie. Right. And somehow we're mad that he didn't make the perfect movie. Uh, I'm not honestly. I didn't, and you know what? Like, I didn't have a problem with the Justice. It wasn't great, but I didn't have a problem with it. It was a popcorn movie. Um, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. It wasn't bad though. But the reality is, they were just so far behind the eight ball in that movie that it wasn't going to make money anyway. So right. it was kind of already. It was a doomed movie to come out. Right. It's it's the only billion dollar movie to make zero dollars. <laughs> right. Which just blows my mind. Like. You might have overdone. You have it to you have to blow it so hard that you that you made a billion dollar movie and you broke even, or lost money depending on who you ask. Right, and essentially they made two movies, right? Right, because because Zack Snyder was basically done with his when all of this happens. That's why there's even talk of a Snyder cut, and then Joss Whedon had to go in and make a whole other movie out of the out of the same script and with the same actors. Oh. Uh. What a nightmare. And then as far as the other stuff that goes on about it, like Gal Gadot didn't want to do the scene where the Flash's face is in her boobs. Okay, all right, that's fine. They filmed it with the stunt double and they moved on. No big deal. Um, You know, there's a lot of... uh, I don't... There's a lot of people who've come out and said they didn't enjoy working with Joss Whedon. That's fine. On the Buffy show, there's some people. And then on the Justice League, there's some people. The entire time he's in the Marvel Universe, no one complains. Um, I don't know that I... I think probably the Buffy thing was probably... It was early in his career. He was transitioning from writer to showrunner, and it didn't come across well. Now, as far as Charisma Carpenter, her complaints... Her complaints is that she got pregnant and basically got written off the show, and Joss Whedon got mad at her. That happens a ton in TV. That happens a ton. And I'm not saying good or bad or fair or unfair... But there are tons of times when the actresses get pregnant that it changes what the what they were going to do with that character, film wise, and so right. and even even like timing wise, absolutely. And so I, they, you know these shows have to be made in a timely order, exactly. And so like, I, she probably feels a hundred percent the way she feels, and is totally justified in doing it. However. I promise you, he probably feels a, a very different way about that. Right. And you know what? You're going to remember your kid way more than you remember working on Buffy the Vampire Slayer anyways. Right. But, I, but what I mean by that is I promise you probably in meetings there were some conversations where someone's like, Aunt Charisma's pregnant, so we got to change her whole story arc now. Right. And you're like... Or maybe, you know, what? maybe you hide it. Because, I mean, like, uh, Maggie from The Walking Dead, I forget her actress name, was pregnant, like, the entirety of, like, season nine. <laughs> Right, and and you sometimes you can, but it really depends on how like, like how not, involved is the character? What exactly, are they doing exactly, and what kind? But, of but she was a main character. I mean, she was integral. She's in like almost every scene in that in that part of the show. Right. Well, in in Charisma Carpenter at that point, there's only I think the cast is only like four people back then. Right. So, so they like, have less opportunity to like lean on other characters. Exactly. So it puts so it like, all, it's. It puts like, a bit it's, of it's all it's all perspective, and you also don't know like she may not she may have been a problem too about it because she may not have agreed to do you know what I'm saying she's like ooh I'm pregnant I don't know that I want to hide it or do more or like we need to really be careful here and maybe she has her own medical reasons for that and blah 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 she's totally entitled to all of that. However, right. and you can and I mean like it, and you can still be mad about it you can yeah, still be upset about you it totally like, can. Acting is not the we can't act like acting is the same thing as being an accountant. Like, if someone's an accountant, they can still be an accountant when they're pregnant. Right. There's very few limitations that are that are overlapped there. It's not the same thing with you know, with a TV show or with a movie. And it's right. just not. There's visual elements to it. 
there's storyline stuff that just maybe doesn't make sense. Um, the Umbrella Academy is wholeheartedly embracing uh, Ellen Page's um, or Elliot Page now, going through the gender transformation stuff that she's that he's going through, and that's totally great. But if they'd have had a problem with it, it would have been unpopular. But it also would have been their right to say that. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, I have had this thought, like, what does this do to that character in that show? Because it changes it. Like, unavoidably, it changes it. Um, like, are they going to pretend that Elliot Page, is is Elliot Page going to pretend to be a woman in those scenes? Or, you know what I mean? Or are they just going to have Elliot Page be Elliot Page, and now that, now the sister is a brother, and and no one's going to even mention it or act or react to it? Right, and like we don't know, like, and those are things that are. It changes the show, so it's totally fair for the showrunners and the producers to have an opinion and an issue with it. Um, you know, to their credit, they're working with 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 Elliot Page in that one, and and they're and they're going to come up with whatever they come up with, and we'll see when it comes out, probably the end of this year, what it looks like, but. You can't act like you can't act like it doesn't change things when someone gets pregnant. Yeah, and then the whole Ray Fisher not enjoying working with Joss Whedon. Okay, well, I totally understand why now. Now that I've seen the Snyder Cut, Cyborg is the main character of Snyder Cut. Batman is the main character of the Whedon Cut. Right. I I see it now. I see it very clearly. It makes perfect sense. Like this was completely. Batman's last ride. Yeah. Right. This this is supposed to be Batman's last ride in the Whedon cut. And in the Snyder cut, Cyborg gives the world hope. Um, And it doesn't... Ray Fisher doesn't have to like that he's been minimized, but I think what he did and what he said, I don't necessarily... Listen, I wasn't on set, I don't know. But it wasn't like the rest of them came out completely. Now, Jason Momoa did come out backing Ray Fisher. um, But Momoa also got downplayed. Some he's a he's a bigger deal in the Snyder Cut. They all are. They all have more screen time. Like, right? Yeah, amazing what you can do with an extra hour. <laughs> exactly, and that's sort of. I, ultimately, actors are actors, and it's about getting on screen. But if I look at Ray Fisher's career since then, before he said word one, he wasn't in any other movies. He wasn't getting cast out of Justice. You know what I mean? Like, when you look at his right. IMDb, it's Justice League and nothing else. So right. that also tells me that other people didn't like working with him either. Yeah, it's not people that are lining up. It's not like he's he's been in like a million things. You know, he's a household name, right? He's a he's a he's a stage he's a stage theater actor again, which is unheard of to go theater Justice League back to theater. No more movie. No more TV. No movie. No TV. No acting. Bye. Now, all actors do a lot of actors do do stints on Broadway and stuff like that. Danny um, DeVito, yeah, baby. Uh, well, most famous to me is Harry Potter. Um, oh, good old Radcliffe. Radcliffe spent about two years away from movies, doing theater, and but he made one hundred and twenty million dollars, one hundred fifty million dollars off of Harry Potter, and was content. He, wisely, by the way, I think to let some time happen. Right. Well, I mean, also just you know, he's he's inseparable from that role. Everyone he, he sees is, him. He is, but he's now been able to go on and do other things. Gun Akimbo, right. um, Swiss Army Man, I think. Swiss Army was. Man, and there's like there's two or three other ones, and he gets to do these other things because he's let he's let it breathe some. If he did, if he'd taken three roles the year after Harry Potter, you would like, all still, of Harry Potter's in this movie exactly. But by giving it a little bit of time to breathe and just going completely away from the national spotlight like that and just doing plays, he let it he let it breathe a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I don't see what Fisher. Anyway. And I'm sure it's a I'm sure it's a different like set of skills too. He probably, uh, I've done theater, um, obviously not to that level. I I did it I did it in obviously. high school. Uh, it's definitely a, a small experience. It's definitely a weird experience because you are really close, like. You you get the feedback from the audience instantly. Um, you know what's working or not working right, that yeah. right away, and the show is different every time because of that. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, mm-hmm. you rehearse for four months, and then when you get up there, just little things play differently, and it's and it's it's because of the audience. So it definitely is different than a movie for sure. Um, you weren't expecting that, were you? Oh, no, I wasn't expecting the. I was in. I was in. Did, did, did I never tell you this? Yeah, I was in. No. Uh, I was in three plays in high school. I was in a musical. Um, I don't remember what it was called. Once upon a mattress, maybe, but it was based on Princess and the Pea. It was like a funny version of that. Um, I was in the chorus for yeah. that. Uh, mad sick. The 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 shows. I missed the first show with a hundred and five fever. Like gross. Mm hard sick the, the day the last week of, before the show you do like you do like full costume drill sergeant style like rehearsals and yeah like performing and the last two days of it i'm i'm sleeping uh between rehearsals uh on one of the match on one of the prop mattresses sweating out of fever like it's all i can do to get on stage and do my three songs and bits and then get off stage like brutal um i was a freshman and i was like i was i was i was determined to not miss anything and there was no way around it the second day i did a half day of school so that i would be allowed to do the play and i went home and slept and just medicated the f up and showed up medicine head and did the play nice Uh, then by the third day i felt pretty good um then i did uh what's called shadow box which is it was a company of wayward saints is the play but shadow box is even smaller. It's about 80 people, 60 people, but they see them on the stage in risers. And you do the play mm-hmm. in like a six foot by six foot box in front of them. And it's oh, like, okay. it's got UIL rules to it. So like you're relegated to six specific pieces of furniture for props and all that. Um, and so yeah. like, it's a lot of, it's a lot more um, acting. It's a lot more like pantomiming and things of that nature. Um, yeah, I I wrote a, a, a ten minute play that was supposed to be set in like a shadow box. It was it was it was an interesting right. That, yeah, that's, that would be hard to do. Uh, but it was super intense. I played Scapino, the quick witted sidekick to uh, Harlequin. Um, and uh, yeah, it was interesting. Uh, and then I came back my senior year. I wanted to just do one more, just to have fun with it, and just to do one more thing with the theater kids. And so I did uh, uh, R Town, which is like the, it is like the ultimate American, Americana, like 1950s play. It's a, it's the story of a small town. And then like the family growing up in the small town and how the small town changes around them. Um, and I just had a little part in it. I, I, I asked Mr. Hart, the director, you know, uh, I wanted to do it, but I didn't want to do anything like big in it because I didn't know if I was even going to be any good. So I was the milkman. Um, I'm literally in like two scenes. Look at you, theater nerd. I was in like, man, (laughs) I enjoyed it. It was fun. Uh, But I was in like two scenes, but I had to pantomime a a horse. Um, And I'll never forget this for as long as I live. There was a uh, special needs kid that was going to be there for one of the shows. It was like the middle show. And Mr. Hart told us, like, hey, sometimes I know the family, they're really nice, but sometimes the kid can kind of be loud or whatever. Don't let it rattle you. Well, that kid thought my horse was the greatest thing on the planet. Uh, he, he, was the only, he was the only person greatest, who could probably see the horse. Uh, but every time I came out there, he was a huge fan of me and my imaginary horse that I'm walking. And, like, it was just, it, it was so much fun because this kid, he, I, oh, super into it. He, like he's cheering the whole time I'm on stage. Uh, <laughs> but then because of that kid, like that was probably my best. That was probably my best night doing it. Amazing! Yeah. Look at you, true, true actor you extraordinary. But yeah, you definitely feedback from the crowd for that stuff. True, a true. Thespian. I'm a real thespian. I'm a listen. I'm a I'm a performer in all ways. You know, I get it. <laughs> true, true real that's right hours uh we'll jump out to a break right here when we come back we got a little bit left of nerd thug radio nerd nerd Ooh. thespian Ooh. <laughs> you thespian yeah <laughs> 
The adventure begins, comics, games, and more is a wonderful store located right there on 1488 in Conroe that sells comic books, gaming cards, gaming accessories, board games, as well as all kinds of fun nerd assorted accessories. This is Corey DLG of Nerd Thug Radio, just reminding you that if you're interested, and if you're bored, if you got some free time, if you wanted to go hang out at an interesting or fun place, the adventure begins should be an option you consider. Everything from D&D Adventures League to miniature painting uh, to even competitive card play and even competitive gaming events. All those things occur at The Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and more. Interested parties should absolutely check out the Facebook page for more information. This is Rudy Townjanovich, and welcome to Nerd Thug Radio. Welcome back to Nerd Thug Radio right here on 104.5, 106.1, these sister stations, streaming worldwide at IronLoneStar.com. Uh, make sure to go to Facebook.com backslash Nerd Thug Radio. Um, Nico's going to post um, the completed script of his 10-minute uh, shadow box play. Uh, I can, actually. <laughs> <laughs> what was it about? Uh, so it's about two brothers getting arrested at a house party and okay. like, their interactions in a cop car. Like getting driven home, that's pretty good. It was super fun to write, and like honestly, it was uh, it was really fun. I had a good time writing it. Is this about me? It feels like it's about me. Uh, it was a little bit about you. <laughs> oh man, oh man. I'll send it to you. It's really good. Okay, yeah, I'll I'll read it. <laughs> um, that's funny. Uh, so the other thing that happened this week was obviously the Falcon Winter Soldier came out. Um, is the whole thing, or is it like a it's, series? It's just like the one? first episode. Okay, I wasn't sure. But most interestingly, it's creating a, a harsh criticism of one Tony Stark. I mean, yeah. So it's we kind of out. we kind of always knew it though, right? Well, but this is different. This isn't this isn't for our reason, which I do think that Tony Stark is a jerk for our reason. Uh, for those who've never heard my reasoning before, essentially. He pick and chose when to use the time travel to fix things. Um, because he had a wife and kid and was happy, he didn't want to undo the blip. What he could have done is waited for his travel. Once he had all the gems, the Hulk could have time traveled, or they could have even used the quantum settings to time travel right behind after Thanos leaves the first time and then undo the blip right there immediately and then do the same thing with the gems, put them all back, and then they're done. Um, or even wait until after he destroys them because they know he destroys them. So a week later, they could have undone it. Everybody would have been gone one week. Instead, everybody was gone five years because Tony Stark didn't want to lose his kid. So that does make Tony Stark the jerk of the universe. Um, this is more interesting because we're getting into the actual life now of Sam Wilson, the Falcon. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts off with him giving up the shield to the Smithsonian. Um, basically saying there's always only going to be one Captain America. The shield's a symbol. We don't need we don't need Cap. We don't need Steve Rogers as a symbol anymore. We need our own symbols. We need our own heroes now. Kind of a thing. Um, I think he just he's afraid to be Captain America, honestly. But it then shows him going home to Louisiana, where his sister and nephews have been for the last five years, and essentially they're broke. They're um, in danger of they've taken home loans to keep the business afloat, which is a ship that a boat that goes and fishes and catches things that they sell as seafood. Well, Sam's like, okay, well now that I'm back uh, and I do some military contract work, um, I will, I'll go with you and we'll co-sign on a new loan to consolidate everything so that we can afford it. And then this will get us out of trouble. And the banks basically reject them. They kind of have this financial conversation. Also, they point out that he's been gone five years with the but, and so he's like not qualified. But with the blip, that's like half the world. So I feel yeah, it's literally half. You can't be like, oh, sorry, you don't have any financial. It's like yeah, I was gone. Everyone was gone. So I do wonder like what the world is. This is answering kind of those weird questions like what is the world like? But everyone's mad at Tony Stark because essentially he didn't give Sam Wilson money to be the Falcon. Right. Well, yeah, like, I don't... Well, I don't know any of Avengers' financial information. Like, it's kind of a weird spot, right? 
Right. Like, well, do they have a salary in, from the Avengers? Do the Avengers so even make money? In WandaVision, we found out that Vision had enough money that he bought a house in New Jersey. Okay, how did he get money? He's a robot. What does he need money for? <laughs> he bought it so that him and Wanda could go there when it was all done. Okay. And apparently, he had just told her about it right before he died. Well, okay, depressing, but... Yeah. From what? But, Who's paying him? But I don't know. That wasn't really made clear either. Uh, now, with a robot, it could be more like, uh, maybe he computer played the stock market. Okay, all right, maybe, all right. Yeah, um, like, who gave him, like, did he give, like, 50 bucks and, like, beg on the street? Like, what ha- like how does he, how does a robot make money? To be fair, if if I'm at the Avengers Mansion and Vision's like, Corey, can I borrow $50? I guess I would have given it to him. Like, You've been like, yeah, it's this fine. Yeah, that's cool, bro. And then, like, he stock turns it into, like, yeah, robot yeah, stock. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. But you got Venmo. Yeah. Oh man, what if what if what if Vision has a chip reader? Like you just like <laughs> hand him your card and he just steals your money. <laughs> he's just going around stealing everyone's credit card info. Yeah. He's an identity thief of the worst kind. Everyone in the Avengers stops bringing their wallet to the tower because they're just like, I don't know, somebody is it the security guard? Like, who's jacking my data like that? Vision's like, I notice all of you stopped bringing your cards. Oh darn, am I telling on myself? <laughs> but yeah, so so basically, the Falcon is broke. What the heck? And is everyone's mad at Tony Stark about it. Like in the social media, people are like, hashtag shame on Tony and stuff like that. Here's, yeah, my, here's my first. Here's my issue with that. First of all, if you recall the way things are left, the Falcon sided with Cap in Civil War, so technically he was a fugitive. Tony Stark can't pay him. Oh yeah, I completely forgot about this entire bit. This is the problem. This is why I have an issue with it. Is first of all, the Falcon shows Cap over Tony Stark. So why is Tony Stark supposed to be paying him anyway? Right. Is, yeah, also, to- is he the entire Avengers payroll? It's not like they're known for making money. They blow up countries and like. They, yes, he is. He is technically funding everything. Um, right. They make that comment in Age of Ultron, where he says. Uh, they're coming in, they're, they're bringing the Quinjet in, and Maria Hill says, like, okay, boss, and he goes, oh, no, no, I'm not the boss, he's the boss. I just pay for everything and make the tech that makes everyone look cool. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not like the Avengers are like, yeah, get it, saving the world, yada, 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 but it's not like saving the world makes you money. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so basically the Maria Hill Foundation in the movies is what's paying for the Avengers, is kind of how it's been set up. But if you remember specifically Sam Wilson's story, by the time Avengers Infinity War starts, him and Cap and Black Widow and Scarlet Witch have been on the run this whole time. Yeah, they've, they've essentially not gone rogue because Hawkeye's no, gone. Um, like, Hawkeye's the really one I always think of. Because he's still oh, going to the tower. Who, well, no, Hawkeye went, was retired at that point, remember? <laughs> he oh, came Age out of Ultron. That's right. Okay. I'm, I'm getting my movies confused. So, Age of Ultron, he, he leaves. Civil yeah, War, he, he, he goes home because he's got his help. wife. He gets arrested again, but then when they're done, he goes home. Right. And I guess he's wearing an ankle bracelet, probably. Um, but then at the start of Endgame, the snap. Yeah, and then he, he rolls the worst dice on the planet and loses his, all of his family. Right. Uh, he really does. Um, but yeah, so Sam Wilson... Tony Stark really shouldn't be paying Sam Wilson anyway. But anyway, there's a lot of flack there that, that the Falcon is poor. And here's the truth. This is what everyone should be focusing on. And I know we're against it here. This is what happens to all the veterans. When they come home, they don't have a bunch of money set aside. They've been out there doing the stuff for us that we needed done. And then when they come home, there's no support structure for them. It's hard for them to get medical care, even though it's supposed to be free. It's hard for them to get attention, even though that's supposed to be free. And it's hard for them to get their stuff set up financially because they didn't make a lot of money and they haven't been in the country for the last couple of years. Right. So Sam Wilson's story is not that unique. And the idea that we're mad at Tony Stark about it, first of all, it means you weren't paying attention to the last couple of movies. But secondly, it's really you should be mad at Uncle Sam. Right. Um, but anyway, the whole first episode is really interesting. Uh, it gets into the personal stuff for Winter Soldier and for the the Falcon. Um, it's cool, man. It's really worth watching. It's it's good to check out. 
much faster pace than WandaVision. Um, still just as confusing as what's going on, though. Yeah. Well, there's not as much mystery. And, well, this one's only six episodes, too, so they're going to get into it pretty quick. Mystery. And there's a big reveal at the end of this episode that I won't get into. It's kind of already been shown other places. Um, but I got to be honest, I totally saw it coming in the sense that, like, when this big reveal happens, you could see it on the Falcon's face that he's shocked that they would do this. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I, I, my immediate reaction is, of course, they would do this. Um, but so you'll see it when you see it. It's totally worth checking out. Uh, before we uh, wrap up this episode, Nico, tell our friend, tell everyone about our friends, The Adventure Begins Comics Games and More. The Adventure Begins Comics Games and More is open and at full operating hours. Uh, they have their events running back up. I gotta go through these pretty fast. So uh, today, Monday from four to eight is Miniature Mondays. Uh, come in, hang out, paint, construct, show off your minis, uh, and you can ask in-store associates for paints and supplies. Tuesday, March twenty-third at five forty-five is the Digimon card game in-store tourney. Five-dollar entry fee. Uh, you get some some pricing will be available. I'm not sure what, but uh, it, I mean, even if you just want to play the game, super fun. I'll probably be there Saturday, Ooh. March 27th at 2 p.m. is the Pokemon casual meetup. And same day, Saturday at 6 p.m. is the Warhammer. It's Hammer Time Warhammer and Tabletop Warhammer meetups. Back in action. They're still going strong. So come on down to the Adventure Begins, Comics Games, and more. Have all of your nerd stuff, wonderful staff, family friendly. Adventure Begins, Comics Games, and more right there off of 1488. Woo! That's right. Come hang out with us. We uh were there. Well, Nico's there a lot more than I am now these days. Uh, but they have my comic books. They keep them in a box for me. They should do the same thing for you. Um, build up your loyalty points and have a great time there. The family friendly, well lit, great staff. They're there to help you out and get you into the nerd stuff you're looking for. And they uh also sell a ton of the sports memorabilia and or not memorabilia, but the cards specifically. Yeah, and that's blowing up everywhere. Make they sure got like, they got sure like a new them. they got like a new glass case for them. Well, and they brought in now a sports card guy. They yeah. are ready. They're ready for your needs there. They have a guy. Um, they got a guy. So on behalf of Little Brother Nico and myself, on behalf of the Adventure Begins Comics Games and more, same Nerd Thug time, same Nerd Thug channel. As always, stay safe, stay clean, wash your hands. Uh, nerd Thug's thoughts and prayers go out to the Asian community out there in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, everybody take care of yourselves. Um, just look out for each other. We're almost done with COVID. Let's not cause another problem before we're done. Although it looks like he's proposing martial law because spring break is getting so out of hand. Uh, great job, guys. Great job. Um, let's all wash our hands, get our vaccinations. Let's get through this. Let's just be done with it. Um, thanks for listening. We will see you on Thursday for Nerd Thug Sports at 2 p.m. The Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and More is a wonderful store located right there on 1488 in Conroe that sells comic books, gaming cards, gaming accessories, board games, as well as all kinds of fun nerd-assorted accessories. This is Corey DLG of Nerd Thug Radio, just reminding you that if you're interested, and if you're bored, if you got some free time, if you wanted to go hang out at an interesting or fun place, The Adventure Begins should be an option you consider. Everything from D&D Adventurers League to miniature painting uh, to even competitive card play and even competitive gaming events. All those things occur at The Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and More. Interested parties should absolutely check out the Facebook page for more information. Hi, this is Kevin Smith, former Dallas Cowboy, Texas A&M Aggie as well. And I want to say what's up to Nerd Thug Radio.